Well, hello and welcome to the worldwide broadcast of the Ted and Austin Brower Show. This is Ted. Austin's uh, taking a day off. He's out gator hunting. And yesterday he got a 10 and a half foot trophy gator. And for you who are environmentalists who are listening to the show, which are probably few and far between, uh, just let you know he had a tag for this giant monster that swims in the water with all the human beings and likes to eat anything that moves in the water, especially mammals. And he actually was able to uh, get it. And uh, he's going to have the head taxidermied in case you guys are curious about that. And he was able to sell the gator meat, which I would not recommend eating because it's an unclean meat. And it kind of tastes like a rubbery, nasty chicken. So uh, he's gone right now. He's out there trying to get a bigger one. And some of the ones on Lake Jessup are so big, they're 12, 14, 16 feet long. And, of course, over here on Lake Hancock, we were there yesterday, a friend of mine, walking around Lake, you know, the Hancock area. It's basically a nature preserve. And there's over 4,000 gators in this one lake. And that was last count from about five years ago. And they said it's probably doubled the number since then. So that's one lake here in central Florida with over 4,000 confirmed gators in it. So for those of you who are basically environmentalists and you don't want people to be actually culling the herd with these wretched animals, uh, why don't you go swimming in that lake? Just have fun with it. Get your ski boat and go skiing out there and make as much noise as you possibly can and, and see if you could not fall. And if you do fall, just sit there in the water and think about what lurks beneath you. And then you'll realize what we in Central Florida deal with when you go in freshwater lakes with these giant reptiles that like to eat mammals. Just thought I'd mention that as a little source of pun this morning. And now other thing, I want to talk, there's going to be a lot of stuff I'm going to cover today on the show because I'll be running solo. But I want to talk about these Maui fires. I mean, there's some weird stuff now that's surfacing about these Maui fires. That's why I've been really kind of hesitant to talk a lot about it. Because what I wanted to do was to kind of just step back and see what was going to be brought up about the Maui fires over the last, you know, over the last week. And, you know, here's the deal. Aside from the federal government's bureaucratic, you know, failure, you know, Hawaiians have always had a reason to be suspicious about the government because what happened with them taking over the island and about the recent fires. Survivors, survivors of this Maui fire say they received no warning and that the famous flames appeared so quickly that escape was difficult. Everything was suddenly in flames, and they found refuge in the ocean for hours while their home was burned to the ground into the same powdery ash footprint that we've seen in recent years. So far, it's estimated that nearly 1,000 people have died. Locals are worried, and this includes hundreds of children who were home due to school being canceled that day. Several people are reporting the government is only, not only doing little to help, but they're also blocking local efforts to do so and not allowing local donations through and blocking life-saving medicine because it isn't federally approved. The people of Maui are on their own for now, and aside from the federal government's bureaucratic failure, they have good reason to be suspicious. Just like we saw five years ago in Paradise, California, there was nothing but normal, nothing normal about these fires. Within a day of burning, it was like a bomb went off. Local residents are reporting bright flashes of light. One was even captured by a home security camera that appears to have been the start of the Olinda fire. Many people are saying that it was a directed energy weapon. We know that most major governments already have directed energy weapons. We saw that with 9-11. I just thought I'd mention that to you guys again. Judy Woods says that's what was used. She wrote the book, Where Did the Towers Go? And during the California line, fires, online weather maps recorded what looks like laser from above the striking area just hours just before it burst into flames. And his research, Dennis Mills, discovered that the incendiary aluminum and barium nanodust from chemtrails is most likely fueling the ferocity of today's so-called super wildfires. And on the day before the Maui fires broke out, locals were reporting a heavy overcast from chemtrailing that they'd never seen before. It's also interesting to note that the Maui police chief was the same incident commander for the Vegas mass shootings of 2017, which is another bunch of weird stuff that happened when Trump first got into office. 
And Lahaina is considered to be historic. I've been, and I've been to Lahaina before. I mean, if you've been to Maui, you've pretty much been to Lahaina if you're taking a tour around the island. And Lahaina is considered to be historic and sacred land. It was the capital of the kingdom of Hawaii before it was taken over by the United States. It has been occupied by native Hawaiians ever since who are defiantly opposed to the mainland outsiders who have not been, who've been buying up land with no respect for local culture. Not just BlackRock and Vanguard, but billionaires like Mark Zuckerberg who owns more land on Kauai than the government owns in Kauai. And Oprah Winfrey has bought over 1,000 acres of land in Hawaii, including 870 acres of Maui she bought in the spring. In 2018, the Paradise Wildfires broke out exactly where the United Nations had plans to somehow make off-limits to humans. And that same year, a report on wildfire prevention was published that was focused on the exact same areas in Maui where the fires just broke out. Governor Josh Green, another globalist, was putting the World Economic Forum Great Reset Agenda ahead of Hawaiian interests. Just weeks before the fire, he unveiled an emergency proclamation on housing that eliminates the Land Use Commission, allowing the government to be more leeway to build as they see fit, such as 15-minute smart cities run by artificial intelligence like they were planning for years. And, uh, of course, this is the goal of the New World Order. And, of course, a lot of people go to Hawaii only because they go to Hawaii to go to Maui. Maui is probably the prettiest island there, the prettiest resorts there. Some of the prettiest resorts I've ever stayed in are on Maui. It's a long flight from Florida, though. It takes me a lot longer to get to Maui or to Hawaii than it does to get to Europe from Florida. So I don't go there that often. I think we've been there four or five times, I guess, over the years. And the Hawaiian Islands are absolutely stunning if you've never been there. It's worth just to see the giant waves come in off the shore from the deep, deep water of the Pacific Ocean. So it's really a, a nice place to visit. Except for now, they're in a big mess over there in Maui, and they're asking visitors not to go over there. And of course, as Cortez says, that nobody's going to get to. They don't want anybody flying in jets, and really, the only way to get to Hawaii is, is through a jet or through a very, very long cruise. So, it's a major, major mess. Now, there's several questions we need to ask about what's happening with Hawaii and these tragic fires that have happened. We got to ask ourselves simply the thing: you know, how did these fires start? You know, a lot of people are saying it was the wind, and how they spread so rapidly. And then we have to ask ourselves, how did the fire that supposedly, you know, got out end up causing so much damage of all? And, and according to the U.S. Representative Jill Takuda, the alarm system that's supposed to warn residents that a disaster is happening seems to have failed. And why emergency supplies are not getting to the people that desperately need them. And in addition to that, why are the people that have just had their homes burned down and the fires already being bombarded with calls and offers to purchase their properties? And repeat that. The people sell their cell phones. Apparently, some of their 5G, 6G towers are still up, and these people are being bombarded with people trying to buy their properties. In other words, the vultures are circling, and it appears that some people out there are extremely interested in scooping up the land inexpensively. And why has the FBI moved a mobile refrigerated morgue to Lahaina? Wow. Well, I can answer that question right now. The death toll is pretty high. It's probably going to be well over 100. They say, what they say in the other article that I was looking at said almost 1,000. There were more than 9,000 people. That means a big percentage of this city has died. Why are there, we seeing so much looting in the aftermath of the fires? This is crazy. It says there's some police presence. There's some small military presence. But at night, the people are being robbed at gunpoint. Matt Rob a coder in a Lahaini bar called the Dirty Monkey told Insider. People are being raped and pillaged. I mean, they're going through houses and then by day, chunky dory. So where's the support? I don't think our government leaders and our leaders at this point have not a handle what to do. And why is Joe Biden lounging on the beach while all of this is happening, eating ice cream? Well, Joe Biden isn't in charge. I can answer that question up front. Joe Biden is a figurehead put to us 
but by the World Economic Forum brought to us by the, you know, the, the Luciferian Kabbalist synagogue of Satan. And basically, Joe Biden is just a figurehead who is completely and totally inept and senile and shouldn't even be in this position of power. So all of this stuff we have to look at on what's happening as far as what's going on with these fires in Hawaii. And it just seems strange to me that they would actually do this unless they have some other reason to have this land or because they want to get rid of these pesky Hawaiians who are pushing for independence of Hawaii again and are still resentful of the federal government coming in and having seized the islands. I don't know. All I know is this, is that we've got a situation now that we're seeing again, like we saw you know, in California with the fires starting spontaneously, as it appears, and not burning trees or shrubs, but burning melting steel. And we see the same thing happen that Judy Wood talked about and where did the towers go, in which people in the, in the towers were literally jumping out of the towers. There, were no, there was no fire on their floors, but they were being microwaved, according to Judy Wood, with these energy weapons. And the pain was so extreme that they would rather fall to their death and commit suicide. And it was raining people on the day of 9-11, though they knew they could probably get out, that the, the people were going to be on their, way, on their way to get them. I mean, they're hanging out the windows, breathing fresh air. It's not like the smoke was getting to them. But yet they still chose to dive out of the windows. Like Judy said, it was raining bodies that day. Again, my deepest condolences to the victims of 9-11. It's been a long time. My deepest condolences to the victims of the fires in California. And my deepest condolences to the people who basically have died and the victims of the fires in Maui. It's sad to see that these people have no respect for anyone because, again, we are their giant Petri dish, and they do as they wish with us whenever they wish to do it. But we've got to realize something, too. I want to say this, and this is really important. You know, when we look at the Old Testament and we look at what happened, you know, with angel wars, which is posted, by the way. Now, if you guys want to listen to the whole series, it's broken. Into, it's like it's around five hours, I think. And it starts off, you know, with day one, day two, day three, day four, day five. If you want to listen to the entire five hours, there's also a segment for that also. But what's interesting about this is with the things that people don't realize is that, you know, there are rules of engagement that have been put here on this planet. Certain things that are allowed to take place, certain things that are not to take place. And apparently the use of energy weapons is one of those things that the rules of engagements are not pre- preventing because, you know, both sides apparently have that. Because if you remember in the Old Testament, we know that, you know, God is very, very powerful. He can do anything he wants to do, and call, including just at a thought or at a will, create molecular disassociation and make things just go to powder or to dust. But again, that may be part of the Angel Wars saga also with the rules of engagement that God's not allowed to or has limited himself because he can't, he can do anything he wants, but he has limited himself not to create molecular dissociation and just make people just disappear or buildings disappear or whatever. But let's look at the Old Testament, what they have to do to know about this. We know that the Satan and the globalists, the Kabbalists, who serve him have tipped their hand as to the current campaign of their war against humanity by mastering innocent people in Ireland. Okay, again, we see now that this fire that melts metal but does not burn down trees or wooden structures. The globalists have launched climate terrorist attacks against the citizens, destroying lives and property. And all of this stuff happening, and all of this stuff is happening all over the world with this stuff and who these people are. But the truth of the matter is when you stop and you look at it, you have to realize what happened in the Old Testament. The ancient King Solomon, who was stated to be the wisest man on the face of the earth, which, by the way, that's a little bit of an oxymoron because he also was worshiping Baal and everything else. I think he started off being pretty smart, but he ended up being pretty bad. He wrote in the book of Ecclesiastes that what has been will be again. There's nothing that is, will be done to be done again. And there's nothing new under the sun. The words of the teacher, the son of David, king of Jerusalem, he said, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. You know, everything is meaningless. 
And so what does a man gain from his labor which he toils under the suns? And he goes, people are beginning to realize that our electronic electricity and, 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 and people are beginning to realize that we have this electronic technology that we're in that is basically based on electricity. And we also have energy weapons that are based upon scalar waves, scalar waveforms. I've done entire shows on this before with satellite-based weapons. And let me, let me cover that for just a second. For those of you who are new, you can go back and listen to the shows that I've done on scalar weapons. If you take two radio waves, like if you have a radio station, you have a directional you know, tower or a directional beacon or a directional dish, and you basically lay one set of FM radio waves on top of another FM radio waves, like if you have 91.1 broadcasting off two dishes, and you roll, lay them on top of each other, those, those, that wave pattern will annihilate itself and create what's called a longitudinal wave. If you do it again and create another set of longitudinal waves, you lay them on top of each other, you create a scalar energy wave. And that scalar energy wave is basically uh, interdimensional. It can transfer energy at anywhere you want in the universe at the speed of thought. In other words, it's instantaneous. So if, if you're going to go 100 billion light years away and you use a scalar energy wave, it would be instantaneous. You know, that's what happens when we pray. We create scalar energy, and the scalar energy changes the fabric of space-time. This is what our body communicates with, the longitudinal and scalar energy waves throughout the cell walls and cell structures because our body – is basically an antenna to God. Our DNA is a coiled helix. And the energy that can be carried along a scalar wave is unimaginable in what it can do in its destructive force. And a lot of people believe that what happened in Russia with Tunguska you know, about 100 years ago is when basically the, the Working Cliff Tower was cranked up by Tesla, and he broadcasted an energy wave to Tunguska. Now, that's another strange thing to talk about, too, because if he broadcasted an energy wave to Tunguska, how did he do all of that unless he bounced it off the ionosphere, unless he did a, directly, a direct energy wave that basically went down into Tunguska? But that's beyond the thought of this show today. But the reality is, is that a huge portion of forest in Russia was destroyed. They tried to say it was a meteorite that landed and exploded, but they can't find any remnants of the meteorite. And a lot of people are still blaming that on Tesla. That's the power controlled in a scalar energy field. And so it's, it's, it, and this, we have scalar energy weapons in space. We know, we know that you know that we built that with Star Wars. We know that this Star Wars program was put into effect back in the 80s with Ronald Reagan, for those of you who don't remember any of that. And we put those space-based weapon platforms into, into, uh, into, into orbit around our planet. And we know that we can basically level entire cities with that space-based weapon system. And that's why nuclear weapons are antiquated and old and cause way too much additional damage, including radiation poisoning, and they no longer are needed. The main reason that we have been told about nukes constantly is because we are basically being kept in a constant state of fear because people have constantly showed us the giant explosions that happened on Hiroshima and Nagasaki and also the explosions that occurred with the detonation of atomic bombs and nuclear bombs and hydrogen bombs and all the stuff that we saw in school when we were kids. All of this stuff is to maintain a perpetual climate of fear because these entities thrive on fear. So the Bible tells us to think on the good things, the things from above, from our Heavenly Father – not on the things of the evil one on this planet. That's why we should always walk in love and try to be respectful of one another all of the days of our lives. And if we do that, the Bible tells us that we serve God and we accept Christ, we can dwell in his house forever. And that's really important that we all understand that as Christians and as people who basically are on this planet, because we have to do what we can do to serve God in all of our areas of our life. Really important. But let's go back and look at the Old Testament. And this is a very interesting 
in First Kings chapter 16, King Ahab, you know, the king basically working with Jezebel, his wife, uh, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of Yahweh than any before him. He not only considered his trivial to commit to sin, it's trivial to commit sins against Jeroboam of Nebal, but also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethel, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal. Now, Jezebel was a hardcore witch. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria. Ahab also built an Asherah pole and did more to provoke Yahweh, the God of Israel, to anger than all the other kings of Israel before him. Baal and his female counterpart, Asherah, as part of the sex death cult that I've talked about so many times, apparently introduced to the culture of Israel from the Sidonian Empire. They represent Satan, but many names of certain demons in Satan kingdoms, probably the level we think is generals in today's military language. They were fertility gods, sex cults, what they were. And they used to basically sacrifice children in the arms of Baal by – okay, if you've got kids listening to the show right now, you don't need to let them listen to this part right here. Just to just close their ears. They would take the bail. The bail was hollow on the backside. He had outreached, outreached arms like a little platform in front of him. He was made out of bronze. And they would put fire and wood into the statue of Baal, and they would basically create it, make it blow, glow bread because it was so hot. And then they would lay infants and children that were bound on the arms of Baal, and they would be cooked to death. And then the people would eat the infants. And I just, this is the kind of sick stuff that these people were involved in. And you think, well, how in the world could that be? Well, how in the world can we create and have 60 million abortions in the United States, especially with partial birth abortions? And how can we do sick stuff like that? And it's legal because the state says it's legal. All of these things are basically all part of the Luciferian network. They have been. They always will be. That's why it said that these guys were involved with all of this stuff. These are the same evil spirits that are behind the child sacrifice of abortion, transgenderism, pedophilia, Jeffrey Epstein, Mossad. MI6, all the weird stuff, the CIA that they're involved in at the highest levels. But God sent his servant Elijah to deliver a message to the evil king Ahab and his evil queen wife Jezebel. And he said, now Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishbite and Gilead, said to Ahab, as Yahweh, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither do or reign the next few years except by my word. He stops the, he stops the, he stops the reign. And then Elijah basically has to leave and get away from the world, the couple, and be done with all that. But after a long time, the third year, according to 1 Kings chapter 18, the word of Elijah, Yahweh came to Elijah, go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, but the famine was very severe because the food wasn't there because it wasn't raining. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, the troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned Yahweh's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all of Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 450 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. There's 900 of these guys. They're all Satanists. And so the battle, but the battle, was, the battle lines were drawn. Now what happened is Ahab sent word throughout all Israel assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will we waver between the two opinions? Is Yahweh God? Follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Now this is the problem, isn't it? The people said nothing. Is that how Jezebel and Ahab came into power in the first place? Is that what's happening today? The people say nothing. People listen to alt media. They say nothing. They don't tell their friends. They don't send it out on their Facebook. They don't send it out on their Twitter. They don't send it out on their Yahoo email or whatever. They don't send it out on anything. They hear a really good podcast and they keep it to themselves. And they're like, well, I don't want to rock the boat. I'm going to get, go along to get along. And the people said nothing. 
That's what's happening today, isn't it? That people still say nothing. That's what I love about you guys. When I ask you to forward the shows, you know, our numbers go through the roof because you forward the shows and you make people realize that people need to be listening to the truth of what's going on. Now, not everybody's going to agree with everything that Austin and I say. Today, I talked about the culling of man-eating gators in central Florida with some lakes so engulfed and engorged with gators that the gators have nothing else to eat besides eating each other. This is what's happening a lot because they like to eat baby gators. You can see a big gator walking around with another gator in its mouth eating it. Food supply is being decimated. The fish supply, the turtle supply, everything's being decimated because nobody wants to kill the gators, and they have to relocate them after they catch them in some lakes and put them in Lake Jessup and other lakes like Lake Hancock. And the sad part about it is Every one of these giant dinosaur T-Rex nightmares that basically like to swim with people and eat people and eat pets and everything else, they need to be put down. If they're over the size of four to five feet, they don't need to be in freshwater lakes, period. Now, I don't want to wipe them out of the ecosystem because they're part of the balance. They like to eat dead stuff on the bottom of the lake, et cetera. But when they get big enough to take a cow, when the cow's getting a drink of water out of a pond, they reach up and grab that cow by its nose and pull that 1,000, 2,000-pound steer down into the lake and eat it. That's a problem. That's a problem. Yesterday when we were over at the the, the bar the bar ranch, this is where they had a giant gator spot a few years ago. It's probably 16, 18 feet long. It was kind of interesting because there were signs everywhere, no pets allowed, no pets allowed, no pets allowed. And there was the gate the gator trail that was by the lake was basically closed. We couldn't even walk on it because they said that it was basically the hatching season and that the mother gators were on their nests and if anybody basically got near them, they could be attacked. And they warned you over and over again, no pets allowed. He goes, last year, the guy who was there told me that somebody brought their two German shepherds and they wouldn't let them go swimming, you know, where it says no pets allowed. And he told him, he says, I really wouldn't do that if you care about the dogs because they're not going to make it out of the water. And they go, well, it can't be that bad and because they're ignorant. These people come from other states. They don't realize that we're swimming with giant reptiles down here. And quite frankly, I don't really swim in freshwater lakes anymore because of the fact that these things are, how should I say, they walk around a lot. They can get in canals and go from lake to lake. They're migratory, and they could just go from one place to another place and basically lay their eggs and hatch them out. Now, when we were kids, you know, they had basically gotten to a point where in the freshwater lakes where people lived, they had been cleaned out. They had been shot out. They have been taken out. Now, I have to admit, though, we had a lot more turtles in those lakes, a lot more garfish, which are also natural food sources for the gators, than we should have had. But we didn't have to worry about being eaten as a child by a giant gator. My mom, because she was from Germany, she was unaware of the reptiles in Florida. She basically allowed us to go swimming whenever we wanted to after we had taken the Red, Claw, Red, Red, the Red Cross swimming classes. And we were five, six years old, and we were allowed to go to the lake and go swimming by ourselves. That's not a good idea, by the way, because she simply didn't know any better. And quite frankly, that was pretty negligent on her part. But the reality is she didn't know, but she should have informed herself that there were still things out there that could eat us, including water moccasins that could bite us. And I've killed so many water moccasins, it's ludicrous. But back to the story here with Mon Mon Carmel. Then Elijah said to him, I'm the only one of Yahweh's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let them choose one for themselves and let them cut them to pieces and put them on the wood and fire to set it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood and fire, but not set fire to it. Then you can call the name of your God, and I will call on the name of Yahweh, the God who answers by fire because he is God. Then tell all the people what you say is good. Now, this is interesting here. You say, well, why in the world are these people doing all of this stuff? You know, people – Today, you know, do all kinds of crazy stuff, you know, with medicine. I see it over and over and over again. They have organs removed. They have limbs removed. Sometimes the limbs have to be removed because of gangrene. 
and we have butchers of medicine, I call them. They're not medical doctors. They're butchers of medicine that do all kinds of horrible, unnecessary surgeries to people. And so we say, well, these people would cut themselves with knives and with swords if their God wasn't answering them because they felt as though that was something to let the blood flow to make the God answer them. So all of this stuff is crazy. Then, and then, then he goes on to say, he said, then he said that they did not receive any response from their gods. I'm going to read this. I'll read it to you. He says, Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare first, as there is no so many of you. Call the name of your god, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull, given them, and prepared it, and they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Oh, Baal, answer us, they shouted, but there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them and said, shout louder, he said, surely he's a god. Perhaps he is in deep thought or he's busy or he's traveling. Maybe he's sleeping. You got to wake him up. So they shouted louder. And then they slashed themselves with swords and spears with their custom until their blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesizing until time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered and no one paid attention. That's because there was no way that Satan was going to do anything because God was there. Remember I told you that when you call in the name of Jesus, you know, the demons flee. Because they're afraid that Jesus is going to show up. And so we got Elijah here serving the Most High God. Lucifer doesn't want to show up. He's already been cast into the pit at the end times. He already knows he's in trouble. And he doesn't want a head-on, 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 head-on confrontation with God Almighty or with Jesus. He doesn't want that. He always operates in the shadows. He always operates in the darkness. I'll do some scriptures on that in a few minutes. And so after not receiving any response from their gods, they slashed themselves. And so they went on, you know, doing all the things they did. Then Elijah said to the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him. He prepared Yahweh's altar that had been torn down. He repaired it. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of tribes of the son of Jacob. With the stones, he built an altar in Yahweh's name. Then he made a trench around the altar, large enough to contain two seas of grain. He put wood in this water, and he cut the bowl into pieces, and he laid it on the wood. And then he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and the wood so that everything is soaking wet. I'm adding that. He said, do it a second time. He said, do it a third time. The water ran around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. So now we have this altar with this bull on it, with this wood that's soaking wet. At the time of the evening offering, Elijah the prophet came near and said, Yahweh, the son of Abraham and Isaac and Israel, the God, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel that I am your servant, that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, Yahweh, hear me, that this people may know you, Yahweh, our God, and that you have turned their heart back again. Then Yahweh's fire fell, and it consumed the burnt offering. It consumed the wood. It consumed the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. When the people saw it, they fell on their faces. Then they said, Yahweh, he is God, he is God. Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let any of them escape. They seized them and brought them down to the brook of Kishon, and they killed all of them there, 1 Kings 18, 30 to 40. That's what God thinks about the prophets of Baal, period. So ask yourself a question. This is a giant energy-directed weapon, apparently, that came down from heaven, which God has the ability to do that because he controls the scalar energy fuels. So you thought I wasn't going to be able to tie this all together with what happened in Maui. Well, I'm doing that right now. God is more capable than anything that Lucifer can possibly do. God is more capable because when God shows up, the demons flee. When we pray, the demons flee. When I pray for you guys and I station angels around you and I plead the blood of Christ over you and I put a hedge of thorns around you, the demons flee. But it's up to you 
to do the same thing for your family. It's really, really, really important. Every day needs to be started off with prayer. Every day you need to bring forth the name of the Most High God and Jesus and let God know that you serve him and that you obey his commandments. And when you do that, all these other things get added unto you as far as the, the, the peace and the joy and the righteousness, all the things that come to the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to have hardships or we're not going to have troubles or we're not going to have things that we have to deal through, to deal with. You know, my wife died a year ago. I've been dealing with that for an entire year. But I know that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And I know that the devil comes to rob, kill, steal, and destroy. And God brings life and to bring life in abundance. And so I understand that we all go through things all of our lives that we have to deal with. But the truth of the matter is we still serve the most high God. And we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And this is the day the Lord hath made. And we will rejoice and we will be glad at it. And we will keep our faith in God and in Jesus. For he is the answer. He is the finisher. And he is the perfecter of our faith. And through him we can basically do all things and face all things. Remember that today as you're dealing with activities at work or activities at home or with rebellious teenagers or whatever. Remember, prayer changes things. God's still in control. He's still on the throne, and God plus one is always a majority. Very, very, very important that we understand that. But I just want to talk about Mount Carmel and all of this stuff too. And then before it was over with, King was the king was dethroned and gotten taken out, and Jezebel, the witch, who basically was doing all of these crazy things and sacrificing the children to Baal and all the rest of it, she was thrown off the temple walls and was eaten by dogs. So in the end, God had his way with all of them. But the reality is, and it's sad, the children of Israel would still not stop sacrificing their children to these foreign gods. And it goes on and on and on through the Old Testament. And so they continue to serve other gods because that Kabbalist, Luciferian, synagogue of Satan root that had been put into them in Egypt and basically put into them to the ancient Babylonian religions and to the ancient Canaanite religions never left and is there to this day. It's still there to this day. That's why Israel and Tel, Tel Aviv is the number one homosexual destination in the world. How can that be? How can Christians support Israel? How can Christians want to go to Israel? How Christians don't know that when they have a gay parade in Tel Aviv, 400,000 people show up? Because according to their Bible, their Talmud that they rewrote in the 6th century and started with the Zohar with 72 AD, it's okay be gay and all the rest of the stuff they promote. I'm, I'm telling you guys, it's some sick stuff. But Christians are supposed to say, we're going to support Israel no matter what. Doesn't make any difference what they do. And I believe we need to pray for Israel. I believe, I believe we, should, we should pray that every tongue shall confess and every knee shall bow that Jesus Christ is Lord. I pray that for them all the time. As far as giving them billions and billions and billions of dollars a year in foreign aid so they can have Mossad and Jeffrey Epstein properly funded to come after our politicians and attack the USS Liberty. And the answer is a hard pass for me on that one. I don't think we should be doing any of that. Just thought I'd mention that here in passing today. Now, I want to cover one thing. I, I would normally wouldn't cover this on the show, but I want to talk about this for one second. Hang on a second. <coughs> Excuse me. We have a situation here. We remember Sandra Bullock did that movie. She's very hardcore liberal, by the way. And we basically have a situation where Michael Orr was the subject of a movie called The Blind Side a few years ago. Now, I'm going to cover this. I, I normally wouldn't do this on the show. But I like that movie, and I want, to, I want to talk about this for a second. And Michael Orr, the subject of The Blind Side, opens up about the dark times after his NFL career and fears he would never return to the person he was once was after filing a lawsuit against Sean and Leah and Tory for making millions from his story. The rags-to-riches story of Michael Orr was retold in The Blind Side film. 
he or had an eight-year spell in the NFL, was, but was forced out of the game with injuries. He opened up on his battle to overcome his mental health struggles that he faced. The former NFL star Michael Orr has opened up about the struggles. He reported on Monday that he had filed a legal petition against the Turleys, who were popularized in the acclaimed 2009 film The Blind Side, alleging he was tricked into signing a document which made them conservators, not his adoptive parents, allowing them to profit from him. Well, if you listen to what they say, the Tories, they said that they were not allowed to adopt him because he's over the age of 18 and that the court gave them a conservatorship and they were allowed to basically negotiate for him, et cetera, et cetera. And they did. They made very little money, like $60,000 per person as far as from the movie rights, et cetera, et cetera. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. I'm not involved with any of their personal finances. But I do know that these people had a bunch of fast food restaurants they had sold for about $200 million. Now, I don't doubt for a fact because they've admitted to all that which is no big deal. I'm glad capitalism has worked for them. But Michael Orr made about $34, $35 million in his NFL career, and they say his net worth is around $16 million right now, which I don't understand how that's possible because in that income bracket that he was in, he'd be paying about 50% of his money in income taxes, and he's had to live through the NFL and continue to live since he retired about 10 years ago now. So he may be in a cash flow crunch. I don't know. And he says it also because they made him look like he was extremely dumb in the movie, very slow, that's affected him as far as his post-NFL ability to get jobs. I don't know if that's true or not. It probably is true. I don't know. And so now he wants a percentage of the money that came in from the movie, et cetera, et cetera. And they want, and they want him not to – the, the tourists not be able to use his likeness or image with the foundation they set up you know, without – being given a part of the money and the Tory son has said and I can read it to you if you'd like or you guys read it on the website I posted it that basically or had contacted him approximately last year to ask for a cash settlement so he wouldn't go public with what he just went public with what a mess now all I can say is this you got you know multiple people that are millionaires fighting with each other over money it's sad the whole thing's sad and I understand both sides of where, where this is going, and as far as I'm concerned, they can, they can hash this mess out in the courts. I'm just giving you the information that I've been able to find online about this. But to me, should he have, been, should he have received part of the royalties for the movie or the book or whatever because it's his story? I believe they should have. I really do. But, uh, but, 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 but it's just it's the way things work, I guess. But, it's, but apparently the globalist, Kabbalist, Luciferian synagogue of Satan – People who promoted the movie and basically produced the movie and had over $300 million in sales on the movie and box office receipts didn't get enough, I guess. And here's the Blanche Siders family's response to the Michael Orr's bombshell lawsuit against them. The family featured the Hollywood blockbuster, blockbuster the Blanche Side, fired back against the allegations. Orr, 37, filed the lawsuit. But Sean Orr, he told the Daily Mail, he claims – the claims have devastated the family. Tory said the conservatorship was drawn up to ensure that Orr was eligible to play football at the University of Mississippi. Tory is a booster at the school, and Orr wasn't part of the family. There could have been potential NCAA issues, which were also addressed in the movie, period. He said, I sat down and told them, if you're going to go to Ole Miss or even considering Ole Miss, we have to think about you being part of the family, and we can do that legally. We contacted lawyers who told us that we couldn't adopt over the age of 18. The only thing we could do was to have a conservatorship. So we were concerned it was an up and up that we made sure the biological mother came to court. Tory also dismissed the idea of family profit enhancing from the movie. He goes, he goes, but Michael Lewis, the author of the book in which the movie was based, gave us half a share. Everyone in the family got an equal share, including Michael. It was about $14,000 each. That means nothing. The NFL – so anyhow, so this is what's happening, and it says the lie of Michael's adoption – is one upon them, which the co-conservators Lee Ann Turney and John Tuber have enriched themselves expensive of their, of their ward. 
you know, this is just uh, crazy. He says it's Tory sold his conglomerate of fast food franchises for two hundred million dollars and took it to the front to the idea that he would want to profit off of ore. I will say it's upsetting that people would think that we would make money off of my children, he said. He said the family remained close with Orr throughout the NFL career, but noticed distancing about a year and a half ago. No question. The allegations are insulting, Tory said of the suit. But look, it's a crazy world. You've got to live it and obviously upset everybody. You know, Tory's son, Sean Jr., told his side of the story in an interview on the Barstool Radio on Monday. I'm going to preface this by saying that I love Mike. I love Mike at 16. I love Mike at 37. We'll love him at 67, Torian Jr. said. There's not there's not going to be any dossier of anything that happens that's going to make me say, screw that guy. That's just not the case. But Torian Jr. disputed the idea that Orr just earned about conservatorship. So you can read the rest of this thing from the New York Post and what happened with it. But the reality is this is part of our world that we live in. And it, should Michael Orr have gotten more money? Probably. That's between him and the Kabbalist Luciferian Synagogue of Satan network that put the movie out for the $300 million. But as far as this family, the Tories having $200 million in the sale of their, of their restaurants, I don't think they need any money from Michael Orr. And again, this is sad to me that it's happened because apparently they really helped him when he was young and they really wanted to help him and they continue to be his friend. But now he's turned on them. And personally, I think it's a cash flow crunch for him because so many of these NFL athletes, I talked to my buddy Van yesterday who was in the NFL for years. He said the same thing. A lot of these athletes, after they get out of the NFL, they get into a situation where they don't have the lifestyle capability any longer because they don't make these huge salaries anymore. And many of them get involved with synagogue of Satan, Luciferian, Kabbalist money managers. Just thought I'd mention that again. And they take their money from them indirectly through different things they invest in where they always make commissions, but they don't. I've seen this happen many, many times. <laughs> Excuse me. And, and so all we find out here is this. That, by the way, my cough is getting better. It's getting much better. And uh, that's one of the reasons I played tape yesterday because I was coughing and also wasn't going to be with me. But the reality is, is that I think this whole thing is just petty on both these sides. And I think that somebody should have worked something out with, you know, with these people as far as what they should have done before it went to the news like this. By the way, Hillary Clinton is now saying – this is crazy – that it's a terrible moment for the country as Trump is accused of these. And by the way, this is the witch of Benghazi. This is the lesbian witch of Benghazi. This is the lesbian nightmare, unbelievably ugly, horrible witch of Benghazi. Hillary Clinton says it's a terrible moment for the country as Trump is accused of these terribly important crimes during an interview on the same night. Georgia returned 10 indictments in election pro. Wow. Clinton told Rachel Maddow, which is another bastion of liberalism, that the indictment was another terrible moment for the U.S. as Trump faces a growing slate of dangerous and serious charges. He set out to defraud the United States. He did not. And the citizens of our nation, she said he did not. Now, why does she talk about what she did in Benghazi? Why does she talk about Ambassador Stevens? Why does she talk about how they stopped the planes from launching to protect that ambassador in that movie 13 Hours, if you want to watch that? Why does she talk about that stuff, about what she did? Why does she talk about pitching an unbelievable fit the night she was told she wasn't going to win the election and she was so drunk she's overturning tables in the back and wouldn't even address her followers and her people that had supported her through the election? Why does she talk about that? Why does she talk about her body doubles? Why does she talk about what Larry Nichols talked about, that she had her own witches coven in California, and when they were in the governor's mansion in, in Arkansas, that every six weeks she would fly to, to California to meet with her fellow witches because she was the leader of the coven? Why doesn't she talk about that? Just in case you guys are curious, and why does she talk about the Clinton body count, which is over 100 deep now, of people who basically have mysteriously died you know, when they started criticizing Bill and Hillary Clinton? Hmm? I just, I just, why, why does she talk about that? 
but she wants to point fingers at Donald Trump. You know, here's the thing. If you live in a glass house, you better be really careful where you start throwing rocks. Donald Trump supported the Clintons. You remember the first campaign back in 2016, 2015? Lock her up, lock her up, lock her up. Then as soon as they got into the White House, Donald Trump and his wife, they're telling everybody how great the Clintons are and how they're good friends and nothing ever happened to the Clintons. Yeah. Why don't you think about the fact that he did that for her years ago? I'm going to segue back to something that I'm not talking to you guys about. Years ago, there was a TV evangelist over in Tampa, and uh, they had some issues. I ended up getting divorced. I'm not going to mention any names. And I had appeared on the wife's talk show multiple times to do fundraising for their ministry. And I remember they had always paid their bills with me, and they'd always, you know, you know, had me on their show, et cetera, et cetera. And so I didn't have anything bad to say about them. Well, when they were going through their divorce, and it was a very, very, very public divorce, the Tampa Tribune called me up. This is a major paper there in Central Florida, and basically said that they had gotten my name because I'd been a guest on the show. And they wanted me to discuss this person's divorce and what I knew about them. Now, that puts me in a very awkward position, doesn't it? Because I know a lot about these individuals. But I also know that they paid all of their bills with me and they had me on the show. So my response to them was, oh, yes, I'll be happy to talk to you guys. And they said, well, what do you want to tell us about this individual? And I said, they paid all their bills to me. And they said, what else? I said, they paid all their bills to me on time. And they said, well, what else do you want to tell us? They paid all their bills to me. They paid all their bills to me on time and all of their checks cleared. And they said, oh, well, what else do you want to say? And I'm like, not much. That's about it. And so they click, click at the other end. They immediately hung up on me because I'm sure I was being recorded. You know, there's a certain time when we have to come out and say things about people. But when people are supporting you and they've defended you and they've got your back, you know, keep your mouth shut. Just don't say anything bad about them. Don't, don't be that person. You know, when someone – dies in your family okay and you need your family to support you listen to me friends if you have a family member who's had a spouse die or a child die or someone else die in the family and they ask you to come to the funeral go to the funeral and support that individual there's nothing like having your family around you in times of stress and times of need just like there's nothing like having your friends support you in times of stress and times of need and so i would not throw this person under the bus now i've since said things about that individual since i found out more and more stuff but I won't say it right now because I'm not going to tie it back together to that individual. But the problem is this. We've got too many people that are friends in friendship only as far as in name only but not in actions. And it's important that we don't do that. It's important that we support each other all of the time. That's why I thank you guys so much for supporting Health Masters. If you didn't get your toothpaste and your multiple vitamins from us and all the rest of the stuff that we have and support us, we couldn't be bringing you a talk show like this. Unless you want as politically incorrect as this one is today. But guys, listen to me. When you support us, it lets us know that you care about what we're doing. And I've learned something a long, long time ago. When you're led by the Holy Spirit, we had a really nice lady give us a really generous contribution the other day. I'd really thank you for that as far as for the show. But what I've learned is this. Her name's Sally, by the way. What I've learned from this is I've learned that, you know, when God's will is done God's way, it never lacks God's support. When people are led by the Holy Spirit to do things and support things the way they should be supported and done, then we can all work together as a team and we can all further the kingdom of God through Christ, period. If we don't do that, then what happens is the world comes in and they start breaking up the kingdom of God. They start breaking up people and turning them against each other. You know, my good friend Sherry Tenpenny just lost you know, her license. It was suspended you know, in her state. Because she didn't answer questions the way they wanted her to answer questions. She answered the questions, but not the way they wanted her to answer the questions. And I was talking to another good friend of mine, Eric Naputi, this weekend because I visited him in St. Louis this week. 
and he, and he was supporting Sherry and I'm supporting Sherry. And, and, you know, we love Sherry. I love Eric. And they're good friends. But here's what I've learned over the years is that a lot of people aren't like that. A lot of people are basically have been bought off by the deep state. And we've talked about this in depth. And I'm going to just I'm going to segue for one second like this. A lot of people who come out of nowhere and you've never heard of them. And all of a sudden you get certain medical professionals that are with them and talking with them all the time. And they don't have any shadow banning or any restriction as far as the amount of views they get. And suddenly they come out of nowhere and they're doing great financially. And I'm not saying that I don't want people to be blessed because I don't care. I'm, I'm happy when people are blessed. But suddenly it's because they've compromised themselves. They've, they, basically, they basically capitulated to the New World Order or to Operation Mockingbird. And they'll put out 90% true stuff and 10% completely fabricated to make us all look like a bunch of nuts, period. And, and then what happens is the media then picks up on the 10% of what the alt media says that's lies. Say these crazy people believe in the QAnon theory. These crazy people believe in this. These crazy people believe in that. And what ends up happening is you end up in a situation where people are constantly at that point doing the best they can to take bites at the people that are in alt media that are telling the truth. Because we get lumped into the crazy conspiracy theory. It's like, you know, the same guy that was in Vegas, like I mentioned earlier, the police commissioner over there, when the Vegas shootings took place, is now the head guy there in Maui or, or, or Lahaina where this fire took place. And you remember the same guy that did the autopsy on, on, on JFK? You know, he's also done a bunch of other high-level high, high autopsies that also end up being basically fabricated. This globalist group that runs the planet, they always use the same people over and over and over again. And if you comply with their wishes, you know, you'll figure out very quickly that they're going to do what they need to do to support you or allow you to have the bandwidth in order to be supported. Watch that movie with Tom Cruise, American Made. He was working for TWA, and all of a sudden he was, had a salary coming in from TWA. Finally, he goes to work for the CIA, and the CIA basically doesn't want to pay him anything. And then finally the CIA agent says to Tom Cruise – You'll figure it out. You'll figure it out because now they were working with the CIA, which means they weren't going to be held accountable for what they were doing. And then Tom Cruise started running. Well, Tom Cruise, the guy, the guy in the story, started running the drugs back in and out of Nicaragua, in and out of you know Colombia, in and out of South and Central America, including guns and weapons and human trafficking. All of it was being sanctioned by the CIA because he figured out how to do it. He brought in literally hundreds of millions of dollars, and he didn't know what to do with all the money that was coming in. And that, that led to the, 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 the cartel down there with, Nori, with Noriega being part of that with Panama and the guys down there in, in, in you know, Colombia with the cartels that basically brought all, that, all those drugs into, into uh, and heroin and, and the cocaine into South Florida back in the 80s and the 90s. All of this stuff is being done through the federal government, through these agencies, and they allow these people to become insanely wealthy. That's the same thing that's happening with all media. If, you've to, if you tow the line – with alt media and you put out the 10% fake information, they will allow you to do whatever they think you need to do and have the income based upon what you need to do. And you will be immensely rewarded by it because they're not going to come after you or they come after people like Eric, who just got out of that massive lawsuit he had with the federal government, or they have their licenses revoked or suspended like Sherry Timpenny just had. All of this stuff happens to people that are out there telling the truth and are the point of the spear. You know, I was Austin and I were taken off of YouTube almost seven years ago. They don't want me on YouTube. They don't want us talking about the stuff that we talk about on YouTube because we serve the Most High God. And that, that whole platform is a, you know, a platform of Baal and Moloch and the Asherah group and that whole synagogue of Satan group. And they don't want us out there on the talking and promoting the Most High God. I told you what happened to me on CTN just a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, I told about it on the show. It happened several years ago. 
when I did a whole 30-minute presentation on the real rulers of the planet from the ancient Canaanite religions, and it was taken down within days, and they were told they could not put it back up again, period, by YouTube, because I was telling the truth about who ran the planet. All of this stuff is real, and when we understand how real it is, we begin to realize that we have to stand with our God all the days of our life. It really is. But but Trump basically is in a situation now where he is really, really, really having a lot of problems. He's been indicted in Georgia again. Again, this is like his fourth or fifth indictment. This is, These are a lot of criminal charges they have on this guy. And here's the irony of all of this stuff. Trump says on video, you can watch this, and I've got to post it on our website, that he got the Tree of Life Award, which is right from the Kabbalah, and it represents everything he stands for. Okay, So the question is, why in the world have they come after him like this? Well, they always create apparent opposites. That's what they do. I've read you that multiple times by how they control the world. The opposite is you got Hillary, you got Trump. Those are the opposites. That's when they ran against each other. The opposite is you got Biden, you got Trump. And what they do is they control the narrative and they control the dialogue to get their desired outcome, which is the rebuilding of the third temple and the, the emergence of the Antichrist. That's what they want to do. Everything's focused on that with these guys. So they have to create apparent opposites. They control both sides of the parties. They control the Republican Party. They made sure of that with Jeffrey Epstein. They control the Democratic Party. They made sure of that you know, with J. Edgar Hoover and Jeffrey Epstein. All of these things are being controlled right now, and we see Kabuki Theater. That's all we see. But this group, this Kabbalist Luciferian group that controls the synagogue of Satan, that runs Pharmakia, that basically makes immeasurable amounts of money, you know, like the Sacklers did with Purdue Farmer pushing OxyContin and getting so many people addicted to opiates in the United States. This group is always controlled by the same group of people, which are the which, which is the synagogue of Satan, which is the Luciferian network. And when you understand that, you start to understand who they are and what they do. That's why we have these people in alt media now who are immensely wealthy. I mean, in, insanely wealthy for what they do and what they bring in as far as their sales. But yet nothing ever seems to happen to them. You know, some of these people go out and rent parade grounds on January the 6th, you know, for the people in D.C. to come to. But yet when the people are basically arrested and indicted for basically being in D.C., the people who rent the parade grounds are not involved in any of this stuff. Thought I'd mention that to you guys. You can go look that one up on your own. See, all of this stuff is basically being projected to us as truth. And 90 percent of it is in most of these shows. But the other 10 percent. Is absolutely pure lies. It really, really is. By the way, Governor Christie is now pulling ahead of DeSantis in New Hampshire, which is no surprise on that, on the GOP primary poll. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie has surpassed Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in the critical early presidential primary state of New Hampshire, according to an Emerson College survey released on Tuesday. Christie leapfrogged DeSantis for second place in the Granite State, garnering 9% support. DeSantis' support, on the other hand, fell to 8% from 17% in March. Christie's one-point lead over DeSantis falls within the polls, plus or minus 3.4% margin of error, which means they're not really sure about this stuff. But Donald Trump has got a 49% lead. Christie's 9%. DeSantis, 8%. Tim Scott, 6%. Nikki Haley, 4%. And other people, Mike Pence, 2%. Of course, Mike Pence doesn't have a snowball's chance in Florida on Black Asphalt to win this. DeSantis has been an alternative to Trump to Emerson polling in his presidential cycle. This is the first time we've ever seen DeSantis drop out of second place in our polling and fall back to the pack, fall back into the pack of candidates, which doesn't. He's dropped a point under to say that the plus or minus 3.4 percent means it's not even accurate. Christie's campaign has maintained an intense focus on New Hampshire, while DeSantis' team has prioritized Iowa, 
However, DeSantis still made a number of trips to the Granite State. Former President Trump still dominates the GOP primary, led with 49% support, according to the same poll. If you want to believe the Kabuki theater of all of this stuff, nobody has a chance right now of getting through the primaries and winning against Trump at this point, period. It's, doesn't, it's just not going to happen because Trump, was, he was president of the United States. And it's very, very important that we understand that, you know, we're probably going to have a rematch, you know, even if Trump ends up basically he'll stall this though until the election as far as all these these this court stuff and uh he'll probably pardon himself which is what he should have done to start with remember i told you guys that when trump was still in office i said he should have pardoned everybody from january the 6th and he should have pardoned himself and his family members for everything but had he done that we could have this continued kabuki theater of the right left paradigm being controlled by the Kabbalist synagogue of satan bankers to basically push this narrative if trump's basically a pro Kabbalist boy pro Luciferian boy, high-level Mason, which we have heard multiple times through different media outlets. Why are they going after him like this? Again, it's because of the yin-yang effect. They want to create the apparent opposites and have the energy being released from this to cause massive confusion and more separation in America. That's all they care about. Oh, by the way, uh, a transgender now <laughs> are now tweaking, like tweaks like hair, hair, hair removal and voice feminization should be funded by the taxpayer. An influential medical panel says – I don't even want to read this. But I'm going to minor aesthetic procedures for transgender individuals should be publicly funded, according to a health officials in Canada. Remember, Canada's got one of the worst medical systems in the world. As editorial by doctors in the Canadian Medical Association suggests, treatments like hair removal and facial injectables should be paid for by the country's Medicare, a publicly funded healthcare system. Minimally invasive procedures such as facial injections should be funded, according to the Dalhousie University of Nova Scotia. Public funding for such procedures, which are currently funded in only two jurisdictions in Canada, warrants serious consideration in all provinces and territories, the authors concluded. You know, I don't really know what to say about any of this nonsense with the transgender stuff, except for, like I always say, it's part of the inversion that they're doing to us on an ongoing basis because they want to do the best they possibly can to destroy everybody. You know, they really do. They want to destroy everything God created. By the way, uh, West Coast is a messed up coast. Disney is pulling a Dylan Mulvaney move. Disney, the house that Mickey built, has gone gender confused. Welcome to the West Coast, Miss Coast, home of Disneyland and the fanciful Magic Kingdom on who's the throne Bob Iger sits. Iger climbed back into Mickey's throne when his predecessor – you know, waded into the politics of Florida and Governor Ron DeSantis. The Disney employees threw a wing ding. The former CEO figured he was publicly safe by backing third graders looking at gender propaganda. And here we are today. He goes, I literally looked like Mickey Minnie Mouse. And now in an apparent attempt to show he's down with the struggle, Iger has thrown his lot in with a guy who dresses up in the Minnie Mouse costumes. I kid you not. He enthuses as he sashays in a red dress and a petticoat and yellow pumps that I literally look like Minnie Mouse, and I fit in with his friends, though some parents may not agree. At the end, the man declares, now I'm fashionable, bold, and just like Minnie Mouse. The video was posted to the Disney-style TikTok account in July, and it was picked up by the left-wing media watcher on Twitter. Run Report says that Disney-style account reposted the video from influencer's page, but the influencer uses Disney character images and iconography and usually gets someone sued. You know, Disneyland and Walt Disney World are full of cast members who dress up as other people, and creatures for a living. Still after the Mulvaney Bud Light fiasco, we figured Iger might be wary about doing the same, especially at a time when Disney's possible merger, takeover by Apple, is being considered as the media's as vodka pundit notes. Wow. You know, if Disney gets taken over by Apple, we just have more and more conglomerates. Because remember, Disney 
and what Disney owns, ABC and all the rest of it, there's over 100 corporate umbrellas underneath the Disney umbrella. Does that mean Apple's buying all of it? And we already know the globalists, you know, BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard control it all anyhow. So I guess there's no difference with these guys and what they want to do. I, I mean, it's just, it's, just, it's just insanity and all of this stuff and what's happening. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, just, it's just strange to me that we have all of this stuff happening, you know, as we basically have all these poisons and toxins released into our environment. Remember updates on the GMO mosquito release, genetically engineered mosquitoes created biotechnology company, Oxitech, have been released in the U.S. and Florida and Texas, which we pleaded with them not to do, but they did. In March the 22nd, EPA granted Oxitech a two-year extension of its emergency use permit, which allowed the biotech company to release additional mosquitoes in Florida as well as in four counties in California for the first time. These are flying hypodermic needles, by the way. They can inject them or fill them up with anything they want and turn them loose, and they're going to inject people with all kinds of weird stuff. While the EPA extended Oxycontin's EUP, both the Department of Agriculture and California Department of Pesticide regulation must approve Oxycontin's testing order for it to move forward in other states. Following pushback from legislators, California's DPR announced Oxycontin voluntarily reduced its research authorization application to test its mosquitoes in California. Locally acquired malaria that did not exist in the U.S. for over 20 years, but five cases have recently been diagnosed, four in Florida and one in Texas. You know, what they do is these mosquitoes when they inject something into you, they have something left from what they already injected into somebody else or take it from somebody else, and they can be used to basically inject you and put vaccines into you, and that's the technology they're trying to develop. I love you guys, and I appreciate you so much. I've not yet had the opportunity to pray for you today, but I'm going to pray for you right after the show today. Again, I thank you for your support of Health Masters. Austin should be back with us tomorrow. I really, really appreciate you guys. You guys are absolutely awesome. I love you guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. And continue to support Health Masters, and I'll continue to support you guys. And we will all continue to go through this together. God bless. Broadcasting to the U.S. and around the world by way of clear digital audio, 22,500 miles above the planet. This is the Global Star Radio Network.